Hey, so big news yesterday that uh, the president announced that a deal had been brokered between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. That is no small thing. It's uh, going to open up normalized relations between the two nations that have been at odds, uh, as Israel is with most Muslim nations, uh, and remains still with many Muslim nations, although they're saying this deal may actually open the door for additional uh, uh, Arab countries to come together uh, and, uh, and recognize officially and normalize relationships with Israel. Now, what this means for Israel and the UAE is that uh, there is going to be uh, free travel, you know, travel between the two countries. There's going to be trade, and there'll be embassies and ambassadors and the whole nine yards. It's kind of a big deal. And um, uh, so, you know, of course, the question is being raised, what is this, uh, you know, in, uh, in prophetic circles, does this have anything to do with fulfilled prophecy? And, uh, you know, the, the short answer is not specifically. There's not a... Uh, uh, any particular prophecies that are fulfilled by this. Uh, I don't think that makes it unimportant, but strictly speaking, it's not like we see in this a fulfillment of, you know, the Antichrist coming and brokering a peace deal with Israel and that. We'll talk about that in a moment. That's another thing that obviously would come to mind in the midst of this. But, um, you know, when we think about the prophetic uh, scenarios painted by uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, Daniel chapter 9, places like this. Uh, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians about the Antichrist going into the temple of God, declaring himself to be God, to man be worshipped, and things like this. Um, there's a couple of things we would want to separate and keep in mind, uh, and that is the, uh, the, the Ezekiel 38 and 39 scenario, and the final scenario that is painted through, in part, through Daniel 9 and other passages relating to the Antichrist. Um, and so when we look at the events in the Middle East in general, we want to separate those two ideas, although events from one may have a lot to do with precipitating the events in the other. Uh, I happen to think that, uh, you know, if you followed our previous prophecy updates and, and the series we've done, my personal perspective is that the rapture will happen. Uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 uh, will come either soon before that or soon after that. And then... Um, in Daniel 9 with the Antichrist and such will come about uh, as a result, I think, of many of the events in Ezekiel 38 and 39. I think the what appears to be something of a nuclear exchange in the Middle East will likely uh, create an environment where the world will be willing to embrace a leader who will uh, have answers to these things and bring a measure of peace. Well, that, that peace that surrounds, uh, that, that takes place around Israel uh, is really a key factor. The idea that um, in Ezekiel 38, we see Israel's existing in sort of a false peace. Uh, in Daniel 9, we see that the Antichrist for, uh, signs a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. They'll violate that treaty halfway through. So where does this all fit in? Uh, bringing it back to the immediate context, and that's the treaty that's being signed. Um, well, again, I don't think it fulfills any specific prophecies in and of itself, but it does help us to put in view things that other events that take place in the world also help us put in view. Uh, what I mean by that is this. A couple of years ago, uh, Iran and Israel were ramped up really hot. Uh, it seemed as though there may have been the beginnings of a hook in the jaw of Russia. And we started to think that, wow, we might really be on the cusp of Ezekiel 38 and taking place. However, then it subsided pretty quickly. And so it came to a close and it didn't happen. 
And so, uh, however, it did help us to realize just how quickly events can take place. And so even though today things may not seem like Ezekiel 38 is going to happen tomorrow or anything, um, that doesn't mean that it couldn't happen very quickly when it does. And so we want to keep our eye on the pieces on the board uh, as, these, as, as days move forward. So I think this fits into that kind of a category where it's not a fulfillment directly of prophecy, uh, at least in my perspective, I don't think it is. Um, however, it does help us see a couple of things. One of those is that it does help paint a picture of how possible it is for parties and nations that are very much at odds can seemingly overnight, certainly as a surprise to most uh, you know, people that don't observe these things a lot, it would, it would seem as though this deal just happened all of a sudden. Um, well, A, it didn't just happen all of a sudden. This is the you know, result of lots of work with lots of people uh, over time. But for most people, the perspective is, or the perception is, is that this happened very quickly. Uh, and so uh, we just want to recognize that the wheels, A, are always turning. And B, it may seem like things happen very, very quickly, and those things cause other events to happen. There's sort of a domino effect that happens oftentimes when events unfold. Um, the other thing that it shows us is that it also, uh, things like this that happen, peace that seems to come between uh, fact, uh, opposing factions, um, also do bring about even deeper hatred from other parties at least involved in the periphery. Iran obviously has spoken out, that's no surprise. Uh, Iran is calling this a, a strategy of stupidity, I think is how they put it. Um, Turkey has come out, Erdogan has come out and talked about how history will neither forget nor forgive the UAE for signing this deal. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, again, just in view of the domino effect that can happen as events unfold, it's, it's, uh, it's just something to be watching. You know, again, this is a chess game that goes on and on and on that we happen to know the ending of. We know what checkmate looks like, but the events that lead up to that are something that are of interest to us, and so we watch it. So again, I don't think this is necessarily a direct fulfillment of prophecy, but it does help us understand how events can move in a direction pretty quickly, uh, or at least seemingly pretty quickly, um, uh, leading ultimately to where prophecies that are spoken of in Scripture do become very straightforwardly fulfilled. Uh, another thing to think about um, is the fact that uh, uh, because Trump has brokered the deal, the question is, is he the Antichrist? Is this uh, an evidence of the fact that he may be? I don't think so. Um, I know that there are a lot of Christians who happen to be like always Trumpers and this kind of a thing, which, by the way, I don't agree with. I think we need to recognize um, when the, when our president does things that we agree with, we should applaud it. When he does things we don't agree with, we should call it out and recognize it for what it is. Uh, um, but, you know, for those who look at this and say, I knew it, Trump's the Antichrist. He signed a deal with Israel. Well, there's a few reasons why I, I, I don't think, A, that he is the Antichrist, and B, this definitely does not uh, support the idea that he's the Antichrist. Uh, first off, um, Trump is... Uh, he is, uh, for starters, uh, let me start with something very simple. He's not signed a deal with them that has anything to do with a seven-year treaty. Uh, as a matter of fact, this particular um, agreement between Israel and the UAE 
uh, though brokered by the U.S. and that, uh, is, a, is a very shaky one. You know, if you think about it, uh, Netanyahu has not taken sovereignty over some of the areas that are disputed, uh, the West Bank and everything. And so those things still very much remain on the table. And that's an enormous sticking point between, um, you know, the, the Palestinian-Israeli thing is a major form of uh, a point of contention. And so it becomes important to recognize that that is still a fuse that is slowly smoldering. And so, um, you know, there's no seven-year deal here. There's no uh, treaty of that kind. So that doesn't uh, support the idea of trumping the Antichrist. Uh, secondly, let me just point out, too, that uh, Trump has also not risen out of a 10-nation European revived Roman Empire. You know, there's uh, Trump is from New York, you know, and that kind of thing. He's not, uh, he doesn't come from Europe and this kind of a thing. I mean, sure, all of our roots come from somewhere else than America, but it's, it's not really supporting the idea. He's not really that leader. Uh, and then on top of that, too, it's hard to imagine that most people in the world are going to embrace him. The fact is, most people don't like him. Uh, his supporters love him. But most people, most leaders uh, around the world, uh, don't really like him that much. Um, they might like the clarity with which he does things. They might like the fact that he's maybe outside the fold of typical bureaucracy. There might be some novelty to that. But they don't really like him. I think they would very much have preferred to be working with Obama. Certainly, if Biden uh, comes to the, you know, somehow wins the election, I think that uh, that will make Europe much happier. But by and large, people don't like Trump that much. And so, um, uh, so between those factors, oh, and by the way, too, another factor in regard to Europe, uh, and and even Ezekiel 38 and the nations that are involved, uh, the United States does not appear to appear in prophecy. There is the possibility that Tarshish may speak of Britain, although there's some uh, view that it may refer to Spain, but if it referred to Britain, and if in fact the young lions are spoke, that are spoken of there would include maybe the United States, then that would be about the only place that we appear in prophecy. Well, if Trump were the Antichrist, that's probably not, would probably not be the case. You would have some in indication that uh, that that uh, you know some some in inference to us in some way, if the Antichrist in fact came from the United States, that's just kind of a small point. But I don't know that it's insignificant either. Uh, this last point, though, is one that I personally think is kind of important, and that would be the fact that Trump's not Jewish, and to uh, put forth a Jewish Messiah, someone who's going to. Um, rally the Jewish people. I, I think that uh, I think that you need a Messiah that is Jewish, and I don't think that really uh, allows for Trump. And so um, now, of course, what about Jared Kushner? Well, maybe that's another thing, but I don't personally think he's the Antichrist either. Um, but certainly, uh, by virtue of having a son-in-law who is Jewish and a daughter who is converted to Judaism. Uh, is not really, I don't think, probably connect the dots strongly enough. Uh, I think that the Antichrist will, in fact, be a leader that rises up out of a revived Roman Empire, who rises up out of a ten-nation configuration and uh, confederation in Europe and all this kind of a thing. And I think there will be some direct Jewish ties to this. Um, and it could be, you know, for those who are raising the, the question and maybe an exception and saying, well, 
what if what if a non-Jew uh, signs a treaty with them that allows them to rebuild their temple? Well, there are those in Israel that are uh, that are seeing that as a primary factor in acknowledging that Messiah has come. He'll let them rebuild their temple. So there's something to that. But I think if we're going to be uh, faithful to the Scripture, as I think um, as I think they will be in terms of uh, the passage in uh, oh gosh, I'm driving, so it kind of escaped me at the moment here. But uh, is he, um, uh, uh, Exodus 18, where it talks about I'll raise up, uh, there'll be another one like myself who will rise up. Uh, I think that's, they're going to be looking for someone who helps them build their temple, but is also Jewish. So that being the case, I think that's something that's significant. So anyway, this is just some driving thoughts uh, that I wanted to share regarding the, the, the peace deal that's being signed. It's not a direct fulfillment of prophecy, but I do think that it does have something to do with helping us understand how prophecy might look when it is fulfilled. So if you have any thoughts or questions, by all means, please let me know. You can send me a note on our YouTube channel or on my, our website, uh, calvarychapelfranklin.com, or my personal website at parsonspad.com as well. You can email me through there or uh, or comment and such. So thanks for watching as always, and uh, I'll encourage you to continue to watch as we go through the Word, as we talk about topics like this, and uh, and look forward to the Lord's return. That is something that is coming and coming soon, and I'm very excited about it. I hope you are too. Father, we thank you for the hope and the promises you've given us. Help us to be eyes up during this time. Help us to be mindful of the circumstances in which we live. Help us to prepare our hearts for that day when we see Jesus face to face, when he comes and snatches his bride away. And for those who remain after that, those who do not come to faith prior to the rapture, I pray that um, they would seek out information like this and like other pastors and teachers and, and Bible students that are putting information out there and, and helping to create a, a body of information that helps them understand that they might come to faith and, uh, and endure that time until they see you face to face. So we love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you and pray for our world leaders and the conditions that we're living in right now. We know on the one hand, it's very disheartening to see things the way they are. But on the other hand, it reminds us that we're getting closer and closer to the day that we see you. We love you and we praise you and thank you for all of these things. And we look forward to seeing you in Jesus' name. Amen.